bless you. Good morning. Happy to be in the house of the Lord. Happy for the resurrection day, and not only the resurrection day, but the resurrection season. Amen. Amen. There's something about it when you see the life that is going out, but you know there's a promise of it coming back. That's in nature. You know, I, I, this morning I I, I was coming, I thought, well, I'm going to take a different way to work. I'll just cut, instead of taking the, the freeway, I'll just go the other way. Now I know why I don't do it. I hit 15 red lights. And I go, this is crazy. And then when I hit one of the lights, like I thought, this is the best that man can do with all technology. And I, and I hit a light, and then on top of that, the last couple of lights, I, I hit, and there's a guy beside me playing some boompity, 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 bump. And I'm going, oh, my goodness. And then I thought I had him beat because I was ahead of him. And all of a sudden I saw a guy up there and he's pushing the crosswalk button. I said, don't do it. And I had to sit beside this guy again. But then I thought, God's got it in control. You know what? You know, the, the geese that fly, they don't go to geese migration school. God put it in them. And they fly and there's a leader. And they all gather together. And there's a leader that goes, and that leader bears the brunt of the wind. And each goose behind him takes 65% of the power of the first one. And they know enough, after a while, they switch leaders. Who taught them that? God taught them that. That same God lives in you and I. Amen. I, I just want to sing a chorus unto him, and how great is our God. How great is our God, how great is His Word, He's the greatest one that ever was heard, He rolled back the
bit. Now we talk about the greatness of God. Eye is not seen, ear is not heard. But that same God that has the universe and all the systems and everything in place, that same God came to us. That same God desires to come here this morning. Let's open our hearts to him this morning. Let's sing one more time, just one more chorus before we change the order. He came to me. He came to me. You know, don't just make it a song. Think about when he moved on your heart. Think about what he desires to do today. It's not just about attending church and do this. He wants to come to you. Can we just sing this to him as we just... We'll turn in prayer right away. He came to me. and undone. We were in the muck and the mire of the world. Doesn't matter how good of a home we were raised in. Doesn't matter how good our parents were. Lord, without you, we were lost and undone. But Father, you came to us as the great Holy Spirit one day moved on the face of an earth and the Spirit of God brooded over a dark earth because there were seeds within. Lord, you brooded over our earth one day because there was a seed within. We didn't know it, Lord, but we want to thank you this morning. Oh, God, what love, what manner of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the sons of God. Oh, Father, this morning we desire that you would come into our midst. 
Lord, glorify your name. Glorify the work that you've done in our lives. And may you continue, Lord. Establish us in the faith, Lord, how we need an anchor in these times. May you anchor us a little deeper this morning upon your unchanging word. Lord, we want to ask your blessing be upon everyone, every home, every household, wherever they're gathered. We now commit the reading of the word, the thoughts that are to be spoken into your hands. And we ask your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you to the musicians. Thank you for the special this morning. The words that were expressed. We're going to turn to the book of Romans, chapter 8. We always have every week different events that take place in our midst. This last week, there was a birthday. Sister Katie Jordan, hiding there. She's, I saw her smiling. She was looking down, but she was smiling. Anyway, God bless her on her 20th birthday. Also this last week, we had an anniversary. There's a couple we don't often see in our midst. They're older, but Brother Irvin and Sister Hertha. Whitmire, that's Brother Dan Whitmire's father and Brother Ben Whitmire's father and Brother Brandon's grandfather and many of you, whatever you're related are, my uncle and da-da-da-da. But they had an anniversary this last year, this last week, sorry, this last year as well. But they turned, they had their 60th wedding anniversary. Let's give them a hand wherever they are. Sorry you were holding your Bibles as I was doing that, but wherever they are, God bless you. Amen. We're going to read from Romans chapter 8. We'll just start reading in verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Now remember, Paul is writing this in Romans 8 just after he had bemoaned himself in Romans chapter 7, how he would like to do good and evil is present and when, when, when all of these things come. But here he, he takes this to a higher level. So we can't just live down here where we're fighting the battle. We also need to move up higher as God's moving up higher. There is now, therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. In other words, God's Spirit's moving on the earth today, and if you're following that, you're led by it, you're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, we may also be glorified together. I need you to think about these words for a minute. We can always put righteousness to God. We can put righteousness 
to Christ Jesus, the manifestation of God in the flesh. But there's a righteousness also attributed to sons and daughters of God by virtue of that God, by virtue of the life of Christ. And God's desiring to express that righteousness in the face of the most wicked age. And he chose you and I to express that. This morning we ought to say, do your work, Lord. Do it in my life. Show the devil that you are God in my life. Just jump over with me to verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them which are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. So predestination isn't just, oh, I can say, yeah, my name was back there. Hold on a second. If your name was back there, you have a right to tell the devil, I've been predestinated to be conformed. That I have a right to the life of Christ in Laodicea, in the most wicked age. Because my predestination has roots, but it also has fruit. And he says, moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. God bless his word. You may have your seats. I'd like you to turn with me to Acts chapter 15. We'll just take one verse there. Maybe to save time if you don't want to get to it, but if you just put that up, Sister Ruth, verse 18. Acts chapter 15, in verse 18. And it says, Known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. Now this is actually just as Peter is, uh, as there's an issue with the Gentiles and the Jews in the early church, and how that, but they make this declaration in the middle of it and says, Known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. If I can say it this way, God is not surprised by anything that's happening in the world today. God knew it would be here. God also knew his word when he declared his word, and he knew we would be here. Now let's just go over to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, we'll also read one verse there, verse, again, there's a conflict here before we read it, but it's, there's those that are, had certain doctrines in the church, and Timothy is speaking the, of them, and some said the resurrection was past, trying to overthrow the faith of some, but verse 19, Paul declares unto Timothy, nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are His. I'd like to speak today on the unveiling of God's foundation seal. We're in a great battle in the world around us, and we as believers can see things that the world can't see. The world feels the groaning, maybe, that we feel. They feel the stresses, the pressures that are around us, but yet 
we have it in a level that maybe they don't. In other words, the groaning is because we came, there's a part of our being that was out of this earth. We were born in sin, shaped in iniquity. There is a part of us that hasn't been redeemed yet. We struggle with this flesh. We struggle with things. We see the righteousness of God, and we're continually trying to attain to it. But as we look on the earth, the earth itself is in a groaning. The earth is in a groaning as never before. We, we saw the last couple of days, we actually finally had a little bit of the smoke that, that was in our skies, but it actually came from fires in California that went up into the coast, up Washington, into B.C., and up into southern Alberta, and we finally had that blank out the sun. So these fires there in California, there's a groaning that's, that's in nature, but it also heard this last week that there was fires in the Amazon that were even greater in magnitude than the fires that are in California. And, and, and all of these things are earth, and they're, they're worldwide, and there's a typhoon in one area, and it causes winds in the other. There, nature is in an upheaval. It's coming to the sixth seal where there's a full interruption of nature. There was an earthquake in California again yesterday, and, and, it, and it causes shudders right away when there's an earthquake. And as believers, we're heightened by it because we always wonder, will this be the big one? It's going to be. Sometimes we forget about it, but oh, my loving brother, don't you want to <coughs> be in God's bosom? We can see the, the strain of, of the COVID-19 and, and, and all that it's with it, the the health upon the world, but, you know, physically speaking, but also the mental health, the breaking down that it's causing in people's minds. There, there's a level of, of uprising that's never been heard or seen amongst before. There used to be a term called the silent majority. People just, you know, Canadians especially, they're polite. You know, they just take what's there. And maybe Christians were grouped as that, but there's the silent majority. But I'll tell you, that's no longer... We are coming up in, 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 I could say, in the United States where there's an election coming forth which has the potential to be the most divisive election that has ever been. It also has the temp potential to be the most explosive uh, election that's ever been in terms of people. We see an uprising already amongst people and, and the different movements that are there, whether it's the marching of, of the black lives or the statues, the tearing down of statues, but it's also the resistance of those things that defund the police and how people are rising and taking. It's the spirit of lawlessness. And this is a groaning that's in the people. <coughs> we can see it just translate into everything. Let's just go back to Romans chapter 8 because Paul addresses this a little bit as well. Romans chapter 8. And, and we just read part of this earlier, but I, I'll just pick up the part we didn't read. We'll go into verse 18. He says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. That's in the believer. If you've been born again, there is something God's put in your heart. You're not just born to be saved from this world. You're not born to be saved in sin. But there's an expectation. 
There's a coming king. There's a kingdom coming into power. There's a body change waiting for me. There's a new kingdom that's waiting for me. You can't stop that. That is within the seed that we've been born by. That has been the spirit of God he's placed within us. So it's an earnest expectation. The Bible says he's given us the earnest, which is the spirit. That is the earnest of the resurrection. I'll just say it this way. If there's a seed of God and God has quickened that seed this morning, you ought to be the happiest person that there ever was. Why? Because once God quickens that seed, that's the new birth. That's God moving on you. You don't have to go and be back, be born again. You, you might have to repent and do things, but you don't have to be reborn again. You've been reborn, and the devil can't stop it. I'll tell you what, we, we got to preach outside the denominational mindset of come to the altar. Get that off of you. Once you've been born by God, you are forever God's. You will not be lost. You will not come into condemnation. You are a part of God. I thank God for the opening of the word. For the book that has made these things real to us. Got to be careful I don't get ahead of myself. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. The creature itself shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. What a promise. That which has started in my heart, it's going to... You know, the ultimate of the adoption will be the body change. That will be the ultimate. But I'll tell you what, there's an adoption that's happening even now. We are not the children of the devil. We are not the children of this world. We are the sons and daughters of God now, today, in Laodicea, in the most corrupt age. We have a right to the promises of God. And he says, for we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth, travaileth in pain together until now. Why were they, what was the groaning? Looking for the manifestation of the sons of God. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. Oh, I'll tell you what, the groanings get great sometimes. But I'll tell you, it's got to come forth. It can't stop. I, I, listen, I, I have never carried a child like some of you sisters have. And when you come to a certain level, that child's got to come forth or something's going gonna, to gonna burst somewhere. It's got to happen. And I'll just say, we're getting close. Spiritually speaking, it's got to happen. The cup of iniquity must be. If it's not overflowing, it's at the brim. It can't go much further. Now I'd like to address this a little bit today. And I just want to take some Bible scriptures. And you know, we could speak of news events and things that are happening around. And we could speak of all of those things. But that's not the level that the eagle anointing has come in this last day. We don't want to just look at it from a world view 
and how terrible it is. We don't just want to look at it from our own view of where our life is before God, but we want to look at it from God's view because that's what the eagle anointing came to do. We can't properly have faith until we know what God has for us in the age and the hour that we live in. So I think it behooves us to say, Lord, how do you see all of this? Because remember, he's the eternal God. The eternal God came to Adam in the Garden of Eden and wanted to walk with him. The eternal God came when Adam and Eve fell, and he says, I'm going to bruise the serpent. The serpent will be bruised under my feet. The eternal God was there in Moses. He was there in Elijah. He was there when Jesus, he's just as eternal and just as real today. So I'm going to just take this thought from Acts 15. Note unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. Now, I want to just take it from this viewpoint. God knew what would be in the very beginning. So in, in a message Brother Branham would speak, and this is in Satan's Eden, he said he had everything in control. Now this is in, 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 in Eden, God's Eden. And he turned man over to the Garden of Eden and oral free morals and said, son, free moral agency, son, it's yours. What a beautiful place. God was so satisfied till he just went back and rested from all of his works. Every tree that never brought forth, every, every tree never brought forth thorns and thistles. No berries ever came off a thorn tree. Everything was perfect. All the seeds were perfect. Everything was in a perfect uh, condition. So now God being God and being the eternal I, I, I sometimes feel when I say these things, like I'm, I, I got some knowledge, I don't know nothing. The only thing I know anything is because God sent a prophetic voice that are the eyes of God in this age. So if I say something, I'm only, I'm only the microphone. I don't have the knowledge. But I thank God that he's released something from the back part of his mind. We can go into teaching. And we don't have to. Brother Bannon would say, teaching is treacherous. And some people say, well, I'll, I'll never teach then. Like, uh, that's, that's treacherous. You know, and, and it's true. But without teaching, you will never know who you really are. You will never know your place. You will never properly have faith. And I'll say this. The teaching is by the Holy Spirit. And I thank God we've had a perfect teaching. We've, we've had a perfect message. And it's truly declared the mind of God to us. So therefore, we rest. We rest. The minister rests. I don't have to worry because God has already interpreted his word. I just have to repeat it. You can rest. You don't have to rest. Well, Brother Ed, I know you. You're not, fallible. You're not infallible. I agree. But the word is infallible. Our God is infallible. And we can rest on that. So he would go on to say, God, being infinite, cannot speak one thing and later on change it to something else. Because his first decision is perfect. He says, once his word is spoken, it can never die. It lives on and on and on. It can never die. In the beginning was the word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The Word was made flesh. The same Word that was spoken in the beginning 
with his eternal purpose, come over and was made flesh and dwelt among us. God's word. Now let me just take what Brother Adam says just a little further because if his first decision was perfect, then he knew you and I would be sitting in Laodicea. He knew that would be the most wicked age there ever was. And he says, oh, you know, it's going to get really tough for them. I'll just have to water it down a little bit so they can make it through. I won't be so tough on them for the standards. Does that sound like God to you? No, that sounds like the enemy to me. God never changed his mind. He didn't change his mind about the standards. He didn't change his mind about you and your place in the kingdom. He didn't change his mind about the age that we live in. He's God, and his word is for infinite. It's, it's forever. So Brother Adam would say this then. The word of God continually goes on. He says, you know, I'm told that if we could take a man's voice, speak it today, 10,000 years later it would still be in the air. It's like dropping a pedal in the middle of the pond. There's teeny little waves. They fail to be seen by the eye, but they continue on till they hit the bank. So he, he says, now, there is, so he, he brings it to our words. He says, our words will go on. They'll be brought back to us. At the day of judgment, they'll come back to us. And he says, be they for right or be they for good. And the word that's not right the things we've done that are not wrong. And he says, there's only one thing that can stop those words. That's to repent. And then those words are blanked out. They're no longer there. The devil comes to remind God and the devil, and God says, I don't know what you're talking about. The blood of Jesus Christ stands for us. He knows us from the beginning. He knew we would be here. He knew our first desire would not be the desire that was expressed, but the desire that we had in him before the foundation of the world when the sons of God shouted and rejoiced. Friends, that's what's awakening right now. That's the part of us that when we look at the world and all the enticements of the world, something in us that says, I don't want that. I want this. I want him. I don't care about those things. Why? It's the part of you that was always with God. Oh, I thank God that it's there. Brother Branham would actually say this about a prophet. Now, a prophet would have to kind of sit and be a writer, but he said he had to have his mind set constantly on what God said. Now, I like what he says here. Not what man thought, not what the age thought. Oh, there's, you go into Bible bookstores are becoming less and less, but there are more commentaries than there are Bibles. There are more opinions. I'll tell you what, I'm not interested in opinions. I'm not even interested in my own opinion. I'm interested in God's opinion. I'm interested in what he has to say. And I'm so thankful, no matter what you hear and where you go, but you can put on a tape, you can put on that word, and you can be certain that this was a prophetic voice, that you can rest on it. And Brother Branham didn't pull no punches. And I thank God that I can, 
that there's something in me that craves it and said, Lord, I need it. I need to be washed by this word. Listen, we hear so many things. We see billboards. We hear advertisements. We hear all these things. I'll tell you what. The, the things, if you feed on those things, you're going to start getting fear. You're going to start being moved by the wrong things. But I'll tell you what, the more you're in the Word of God, the less you see those things. The more you're motivated by something from deep within. I want to be motivated by the prophetic that God has given us in this age. So he'll say, not what man thought, not what the age thought, not what the church thought, but what the, not what the kingdom thought but rather what God thought. You can take that to the house with you. You can take that home with you. You can take that in the face of any other spirit that would rise up, even around this message. Say, I don't care what you think. I care what God says. A word is a thought expressed. The prophet was waiting for God's thoughts. And when God revealed his thoughts, he expressed it in the word. And said, thus saith the Lord. Not thus saith the prophet, thus saith the Lord. Amen. I love that. I love that. God doesn't change. Let's be rugged Christians. Let's be real Christians. Let's be washed by the water of the word. Now, I'm going to just try and pick up pieces of it to move along. One of the messages that I, I, I would say every once in a while, it's just good to listen to is the spoken word is the original seed. And Brother Branham would go in there and he would preach two messages almost six hours on a Sunday. So we're not going to do that today. But you can go back and do that whenever you want, okay? But he would preach two messages and he says, I, I need to share what, why I've done what I've done, why I'm doing what I do, now remember, he's motivated on a level that not ministers are motivated by, but he's motivated by God. This is a prophetic voice. So he would go right back to the book of Genesis, and he would say, the spoken word is the original seed. Let it bring forth of its kind. Whatever it was, it must bring forth of its kind. Notice, it will not mix. It cannot be tampered with. God will punish the one that does. It will not be hybrid. It's God's word alone. God doesn't need your word with his. We're not supposed to speak our own word. We're supposed to preach the word, God's word. Now the true life can only come and reproduce itself by original breeding. That's why it couldn't be denominational ages because it was the changing thoughts of man. It became over 2,000 years. What started as Nicaea became inbred from the woman, became inbred into the daughters, and it became inbred into theological schools. Oh, I thank God that he called us out of these things. I thank God it's called into a pure word that will bring forth that life again. So here he comes and he's, Brother Adam is saying it this way, it can't be hybrid. It can't bring the right, correct life if it's hybrid. Let me, let me just finish this a little further. To mix it brings forth a hybrid crop. And he says, it's mixed, it's dead, it's finished. And then he declares these words. That's why every generation has its own revival. A chance at the word. 
I would like to say that the word that we have received under this prophet, it wasn't just for Brother Branham. It wasn't for Perry Green and the ministers that followed Brother Branham. It wasn't even for those that have followed since. And it was for them. But I'll say it was also for you that are sitting here right now. It was for children that are sitting in this church right now. It was for those that are born into message homes. You deserve a revival. You deserve to have this word come fresh in you. That's the revival. That's what we're looking for. We're not trying to create a move around end time message tabernacle. We're not trying to create a move around a ministry. We're not trying to create a move around any kind of kingdom builder. The move is around the restored word that God has came back. That's the only thing that will bring a true revival. I thank God it's not around me. Because I'll fail one day. I won't be here one day. But let me declare what God said. Let me declare that and let those words ring. Let those words speak for me. I might stumble and do some things and might, might say things wrong, and, but, but hear what's in my heart and what's my desire, what the spirit inside is desiring to do. So now if I just take this thought from, from the spoken word as the original seed, we're going to go back to the book of Genesis here, and you can turn to Genesis chapter 2 for a moment if you will. I'll make a few comments as you're doing that. In the book of Genesis chapter 1, God said, let there be, let there be. It was six days, which we could say was 6,000 years. And he would say, let there be, and, and there was. And, and he would go into, let there be light. And there was a measure of light. There was a division of it. There was a separation of it. And then he began to divide the earth from the land and the water. Then he brought forth botany life. And then he actually comes back to lights and stars and solar systems and let them be for times and seasons upon the earth. But he began to talk about the waters and the air and how they should bring forth creatures and how every kind should be after kind. He went down, he, you know, he did it through botany life, through animal life, and then even animal life as it came forth on the earth. And you know, he did all of that, but he set in motion his creation. And you can't stop it. The devil tries to hybrid it. You can, you can hybrid it in, in plant life. You can hybrid it in animal life. You, you, you can even try and hybrid it in human life. But he says, it was meant to follow a channel that God ordained. So when God said in the very beginning, you know, let there be such, this kind of tomato plant, well, that tomato would just follow suit in that order. Let there be this kind of palm tree. That palm tree would come forth. And it, would come, and it would just be a replication of the original. So God didn't physically create it, but he set in motion that which was going. And it didn't stop. And it doesn't stop to this day. So he set that all in motion. So in, in, and, and he did all of that, and then he rested. So Genesis chapter 2. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because that in, in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. So in other words, he set forth his purpose. He set the wheels in motion. And while as yet there had not been a full manifestation, but in the eyes of God and in the plan of God, it was a finished work. 
He didn't have to go and try to, to, you know, as each plant come up and help it. No, there was a power within the seed of each life that God had designated. And in that seed was many other seeds, and in that was much more. So God set that in motion, and it was working according to his purpose and his plan. So let's back up now to verse 28. So we know that the last part, the sixth day, God created man and woman, male and female, created he them. But he set them forth with a purpose, with a work to do, if I can say it this way. So he would go on to say in verse 28, he says, to the man and to the woman, he says, and God blessed them. And God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. So in other words, God saw Adam and Eve, but he also saw every son and daughter of God in that command. He knew that they would bring forth all of God's children. And not only bring them forth, but bring them forth with an authority, with a domain, with something that God had entitled them. You take over the earth. You govern the earth. You're the gods of the earth. And he says, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of the earth. So, you know, that excluded the hybrid. You know, every herb bearing seed. Not the hybrid ones, he says. So, and he says, that which is upon the face of all the earth and every tree which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed, to you it shall be for meat and to every beast on the earth and to every fowl of the air and to everything that creepeth upon the earth. Wherein there is life, I have given you every green herb for meat. And God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good in the evening and the morning were the first day. So God set forth this work. Now, I want you to just pick up on this, because God had a work to do. And, and it was a work that Adam and Eve were given. Now, that was his original plan. So now when, I, I'm just going to, oh, let me, let me read it how, how, how he would say it, because there, there's a work for us to do. In, in spoken word, he says, when God gave the commission, which cannot perish, it cannot fail, he said, multiply and replenish the earth. That was God's eternal purpose. To carry that out, you cannot die because it's his word. You have to live. If the child would have been brought forth, it, would have brought, it wouldn't have been death. So this was a purpose that God had set forth. That purpose does not change when sons and daughters are born. Sons and daughters are born not just so that we can, you know, we can pin something on your forehead and just say reborn and that you walk like a zombie the rest of your time and that you can enter the pearly gates one day. No, God did that because there's still a part of this purpose that has to be fulfilled. We know there's a justification. We know there's a sanctification. We know that there's a baptism of the Holy Ghost. But there's also an adoption. And the adoption is the part of God's original commission. We are here for God. We are here on the authority of God. We are here to declare that God is still God and we are his children. And there is still a work to do. So it's not just for us to say, well, I'm born again. I can just sit back. It's all good. No, there's something to do. And you need to say, Lord, what would you have me to do? And I'll say this, everything that serves God's purpose has a resurrection. In other words, if you are fulfilling God's purpose, let me just stop here for a moment. We don't just sit here and say, oh, I got it, and then just, no, if you got it, 
The Holy Spirit puts in you a burden for lost souls. The Holy Spirit puts in you a desire to bring the last seed in. The Holy Spirit puts in you a desire not just to be a mother. Well, let me just start, slow down. There are lots of women that bear children. But there are very few godly mothers. Word mothers. That's a place that God has ordained for sisters in this church. There's also a place, you may say, well, when I was out in the world, I was a mother. But you were never a word mother. And I'll say this, there's a difference between the two. There's a, there's, God's put you here. If, you're a hus- if God put you here as, as a husband, you've got a wife. Vice versa. And there's a word associated with the position you're in. You know, adoption isn't, you know, sometimes we, we just think, well, I'm, I'm just looking to be adopted. I'm looking to change position. Sometimes it just starts doing what you do better than you're doing it. Listen, I, I'm just not getting the amens I should hear. Brother Jason Watkins was here uh, and ministered for us last Thanksgiving. And he said, look, God spoke to him one day. He said, Lord, what can I do for you? What more can I do for you? And he said, this is the answer God gave back to him. He says, not that you do more, but what you do, that you do it better. Now, I, I, I'm just, just, just for a moment. When David, David was called. Now, I, I just think of the events. Saul was the first king of Israel. But he was the people's choice. But David was God's choice. So even when Saul disobeyed Samuel, and when God said to Samuel, or when he said to Samuel, tell Saul the kingdom has been rent from him and given to another man that, that, is, that, is, that will be a real king. David had not an inkling of what God said. David didn't know a thing about it. But God had a choice, and God's choice was David. Just like you, you didn't know when you were in the world that God chose you for a certain place, a certain desire, a certain fulfillment. That wasn't what you had in his mind, your mind. Brother Branham never woke up one day and said, I feel like I'm going to be the prophet to the last age. That wasn't even in his mind. But God had that in his mind. And as much as God had that for him, he has something for every one of us. And I'll say every part is vital. So whatever you are, and we often say, well, you know, it's the ministry or it's the deacons. or it's, I'm, I'm starting from the bottom up. If you're a young person, God had a place. He had a confidence in the word and the seed he placed in you that you would stand in Laodicea. That you would not be caught up by all the attractions. He had a confidence in you. So you know what you need to do? I'm going to go back for for myself, and I'll use myself as an example. In 1983, and God was really dealing with me for a year before, when God finally just had dealt with me in such a way that I couldn't stay with the old crowd and couldn't run with my friends. And I couldn't understand what was going on in me. I thought it was me struggling. 
I thought it was me laboring. I only came to find out later it was God moving. And I, 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 I grew up in a, you know, our, our own home was broken. But I had a godly heritage. I had relatives. I had a grandmother. I had different ones. And, you know, that was nice. It was a support. It was nice for a while. But then God took me and I was away. I was working in eastern Canada. And I'll tell you what, it really gave me a chance to see who I was. That was the fur being pulled out of the nest. That was me. And I, I thought, oh, I scarcely made it in. I must be one of the last ones. And I remember going through the, the SEALS book. I, I took for about a month, I went home every night to this little basement suite I had, and I took the SEALS book out, and I took the tape, and I listened, and I highlighted, and I highlighted, and I thought, oh, this is so wonderful. I never knew that that would have repercussions to this very day. There's times I'm ministering and I go back and I know I can tell you where the quote is. It's in the middle of the page. It's on the right side. And I can tell you right in the seals book. But it was God doing something. So I'll say whatever he's called you, you don't know what he has for you. But you've called to be useful for the kingdom of God. You've called to be holy and without blame. That's your adoption. That's your inheritance. And, and, and we need to give ourselves to that. Amen. Now you can't, you know, I find so often we desire a position that's not ours. Oh. Here's ministers. And I, 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 I can tell, I think of one right now. When I, and he says, you know, if I would have applied myself, I could have been a minister too. What you've just done is done away with the sovereignty of God. You're putting it on a natural level. It's not the work of man. The fivefold ministry is, is called and chosen before, with God before the foundation of the world. Now there might be a whole lot of agonizing and work that goes with it. You might be laying on your face in prayer and trying to run and do things and, and maybe even saying, I'm not even useful. I, I know this because that's me. But I'll say this, if God said it and God determined it, nobody can take it away. And I say this, if God's determined for a young person, here, I, I just say this, you don't even know. Sometimes you're young and you're, you're just thinking, ah, I can just do whatever. But I want you to think for a moment. There's a young person here maybe that's looking and God's got a mate for them somewhere and that union might bring forth the last one. And you might be just going, I'll sow my wild oats. You're holding up the program of God. I'll tell you what, if you can find your place, I'll tell you what, this, this you talk about a master orchestrator. You talk about a God that is just pulling and doing things. He'll put you through trials, but you'll have your, he'll have his way. I say this, let's apply ourselves. Can I, can I be a better minister? Can I just lay myself before God better? Can I be a better church member? Sometimes we just drop in. 
And we just think, oh, this is what God's... No, can we actually apply ourselves and be contributors to the body of Christ? Because there's a purpose that we have. And and sometimes we want to climb higher, but we haven't even fulfilled the level that we're living at. Sorry, that just came. That wasn't in my notes. But that goes for me. That can go for ministers. Ministers just have their sights set on the ministry and the word and they ignore their families. No way. Not in God's program. You've got, you've got a duty, double duty, to do that. We've got to take her, Sister Wendy, you said it, the mission field at home, our families. Amen. We've got to take care of that too. Wow, it's gotten quiet this the last two minutes here. Listen, I'm preaching it to myself. Okay? Are you, are you all good with that? Not everybody's caught. If, if we had to pick our gift, I'll tell you where I'd be right now. I'd be back here somewhere. And I, I, and I think, if I could only, because you know, the Bible says desire the best gifts. <laughs> but that's not the gift I was handed. Brother Harold, you got, you got to be a minister and a singer. I, I didn't get that kind of gift. But there's different things that I know God uses me for in the kingdom. And if I give myself, and I, and I recognize Satan wants to block it. The same devil that, 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 that tried to block the birth of Jesus and cast a cloud on it. The same devil that tried to cast a cloud on the death of Jesus. Oh, his disciples stole him away. That same devil's trying to block. I, I, this is a future service, but I'm, I'm just telling you. But God wants you to have it. And I'll say the biggest detriment we have sometimes is the human mind. Our own thinking. You know, Brother Branham would say in a meeting, he would say, when God's about to do something, I watch people's faces. He says something comes over them. And he said, what is it? God's dealing on a subconscious level. And, and, and Satan knows he's about to be exposed. I say, if we could so yield our members so that this part is, is nullified. And we could allow God. Brother Branham would say the greatest enemy William Branham has is William Branham. If he can get out of the way, then God can do things William Branham doesn't know about. Okay, I kind of took a, took a sidestep commercial break there, but I'm okay. So there's a work to do. We all have a work to do. And I just say this, friends. If we, I, 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 I don't want, I, I'm sure... I'll have some regret that I wasted as much as I wasted. I'll regret, but I'm saying, nonetheless, I'm here today, and Lord, you're still speaking to me. How many of you are going to agree with me? I, I don't know if any of you can say, I, I've lived it perfectly. If, if you have, come and see me after the service. I, I'd really like to glean it off of you, because whatever it is, I'm, I'm needing it badly. But there's a lot of regrets. There's a lot of things I wish would have been done differently. But yet, nonetheless, I'll lift up my head again. I'll look to Calvary. And I'll say, Lord, let me fill my position better than I filled it before. If I need a little more time in prayer. If I need a little more time to encourage or communicate. If I, if I need to take and, and just lay before you to be more effective. And it could be for the pulpit ministry. It could be for the part that nobody sees. It could be for your family. 
Okay, I'm, I'm finished. But how many will agree with me? Let me do it better, Lord. Let me do it better. I got two hands and one foot raised, okay? So we're going to, I just wanted to take this now. Brother Branham would talk a little bit about, okay, so God's commission in, in Genesis 1 was his purpose was to multiply and replenish and take authority. Now, let, let's also take this for a moment because he will talk a little bit and he'll say this. Now, God in the beginning, every son of God and every daughter of God was in God at the beginning. The only form of eternal life is to be a part of God in the beginning. And then he says, you don't remember it now, but you were there. He knowed it. He wanted you to become so he could contact you, speak with you, and love you, and shake your hands. So he said, you were one of his attributes. God has attributes. You are an attribute of your father. You were in your grandfather and grandfather's grandfather. But I'll say this and take it down. You didn't know anything when you were in your father. The germ of life comes through the male. He has the blood cell and, and you come down, down. But the father longed to know you. And with the union of the mother, you were made known to the father. Now you're the father's attribute. You look like him. You got parts of your body that looks like your father. Thankfully, they're not all the same. Some of you would say, whew, yes. Okay, okay, it's okay. Just If it's gone, just gone, just leave it. So anyway, he says, God knew we would be here. So he put us in the flesh to be contacted. And as children of God, we are a part of God's attribute that was in him, made flesh like unto his flesh, so we could have fellowship one with another. Now, the foundation of God, I'm just moving into... So, known to God are all His works from the beginning of the world. But now the foundation of God, when there comes a dispute, there, Timothy is told this, he's saying, God, the foundation of God standeth sure having this seal. God knows them that are His. I believe God has the ability to make that known to an individual. And I say, in fact, you have to know it that way. You can't have a minister tell you. You can't have, and even Peter who knew Jesus in the flesh, and, and, he, and, and, and he might say, who do men say that I am? You know, the church is built on the revelation of Jesus Christ personally to you. So somewhere there has to be something that God tells you that your mom can't tell you, your dad can't tell you, your preacher can't tell you, but it has to be God telling you. And I'll tell you what, in this last day, we need it more than ever. Let me just take this because Brother Bannon would speak in, in the first seal. And he said, and he says, there, there's something. He says, through all these ages, we've watched everything move through the dispensation. We've seen the appearing of the great gathering of the bride. There's a pull. There's a call, he says. And, 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 and even in his ministry, which started in the first pull as a healing ministry, and, and then it moved into that, that next realm, and it was a great gathering. It was a great pull. And he's saying this at the accumulation of all of that. Before he's going in the seals, he's saying, yet there's something that we just can't lighten ourselves with. 
And he says, I don't know. He says, but I imagine when those mysteries come forth. He says, God said, hold it back. Hold it back. Don't reveal it, John. They'll just stagger over it. But in the last day, I'll reveal it when it needs to be done. I'll tell you what. We're living in a time when the enemy can have you tossed and turned and you don't know if you're upside down or sideways. But there's one thing I know. I'm redeemed. I'm a son of God. I can no more be lost than God is lost. Why? It's under the opening of these seals that we see our name. Don't make this intellectual. Let it hit your heart. These are statements we've repeated for years. But I'll tell you what, if there's ever a time that you need to know who you are in Christ, now is the time. Now, it's God's desire to reveal it to you. I'm still in Genesis. So in Genesis 1, it actually talks about how, and you, you, I'm just going to take a point out of here. But it always talks, in the beginning, God, and God did this, and God did this. God there means Elohim, self-existing one. In other words, the strong one. And actually, in, in, if you've got Schofield's Bible, he actually says, the one who has bound himself by an oath. So in other words, because if God makes a decision... It's an eternal decision. It's his best decision. So he's known as God. I, I, you can read this after, but it's in Hebrews chapter 6 from verses 11 to 18. But he talks to the believers and then he relates it to Abraham, how God revealed himself to Abraham as, as, and, he, and he spoke his word to him and he did it. He bound it by an oath and then Paul would say by two immutable things. One, God made an oath. He swore by himself because he could swear by no higher. The second thing is God cannot lie. These are two immutable things. Now the devil has never come to you with something immutable other than the fact that he's a liar and he's a devil. That's immutable. He can't change his nature. That's, the, that's what's in him. But I'll say God has always come. His word is yea and amen. If you're a child of God, you're going to get a spanking once in a while. If you're a child of God and you're not doing good on your report card, God's going to make sure that you get better grades next time around. But it never changes the fact that you're a son or you're a daughter of God. The devil wants you to come and think you're lost or I've done something or I can't go back. All you need to do is like David did. I've lost the joy of my salvation. That means you didn't lose your salvation. You just lost the joy. But this foundation is sure. So it's God. And God is bound by an oath. But we go to Genesis chapter 2. And now for the first time, it's known as the Lord God. Now it's changed a dispensation. And Lord God means Jehovah. And Brother Branham would take it as this. Jehovah as the one who exists with family. So the nature of God is to reveal himself, to make himself known. Now, I think it was years ago, Brother Lonnie Jenkins spoke on the becoming God because he was mysterious. It was too mysterious. But he makes himself known by how? By revealing himself, 
By, by who does he reveal himself? His sons and daughters. He makes himself known. So when he does that, there's a part of God coming forth. It can't reverse itself, but it's coming forth to you, to me. He can't change his mind. So if you take it, Jehovah, which there's seven manifestations of Jehovah, is Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Ra, Jehovah Nissi, uh, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Shammah. Jehovah Tikkindu, all of these are manifestations of the same God, but they all relate to man. And so it's always God's desire to make himself known. And I'm just going to put this, again, I had scriptures, but I'm not going to read it. In Luke chapter 24, God had come in flesh. He had revealed himself. He had performed the work that was there before the foundation of the world. He was the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. There had to come a manifestation. If he was slain, it had to work itself out. And as he worked it out, then every name that was on the book was redeemed. He came to redeem those names. So as he came and he began to make himself known that way and, 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 and do it, now he, 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 he had died on the cross and, and there was still confusion. Now God says, if you guys can't get it, <laughs> too bad, but that's not God. I think there's some French brothers know that tutfini means. <laughs> okay. Just say, you know, it's finished. (laughs) You're done. You're toast. How's that? So, but God, that's not the nature of God. God showed his nature. Adam, Adam, where are you? I'm looking for you. His disciples, two walking on the road to Emmaus. He he himself joined near to them. And as they're talking and, and they're asking and saying, wonder what all these things mean. But the nature of God is to reveal himself. And so as he joins near and, then, and, he, and he asks the question, I, I, the nature of God doesn't change. He doesn't force it on you. Here, read this report on the resurrection. Look, it'll tell you. Here's all the scriptures. No, he, listen to how he does it. He says, these things have happened. What things? <laughs> He was the very heart of it. And he's asking, what things? You can almost think he's a deceiver. But he's true. So, you know, you just look at it that way. And, and, you, and you see, he's doing that. And so he begins to expound to them the prophets and the law and Moses. And as he's doing it, something is welling up inside of them because it's not after human understanding. It's not after human flesh, but something inside. The word came to the word that was in them and it's something resurrected and they come to a certain place and, 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 and they're still questioning. He says, oh, fools and slow of heart. He actually expresses the human element. But he, but he kept revealing, and finally, he broke bread. Oh, it's such a beautiful scripture to me. It, it's, it's a very type of this last day. God could have said, the seals are open. 
Here's all the quotes. Here's everything. Look at it. But he keeps coming at us. He keeps telling us, you know, what is the revealing of the seals? Sometimes we think there's a great book up there somewhere. It's open. But the revealing of the seals is you. It's your part in it. It's who you are in the economy of God. That's the revealing that he's trying to get to you. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's not nearly as mysterious as we think it is. Brother Branham speaks here. Genesis 1, El, El, Ella, Elohim. He says that's who he was. Genesis 2, I'm Jehovah. I'm the all-existent one. Now, now listen, I, I always love these quotes because they come out of the adoption series. The adoption series was preached just after Brother Branham went beyond the curtain of time. And it started on May 15, 1960. And then the next message, that was a Sunday. The next message was on a Sunday, which was May 18, 1960. And you say, Brother, how do you know these things? Because I was born that day. And that these, these have always meant something to me. I've read the adoption book forward, backward. But he says some things that are amazing in this. And he says, he says this. And this is, he says, now, Jehovah, I'm the all-existence one. I created something off of myself to be a son of mine. A temporary or amateur little one of mine. Jehovah means he gave man to be an amateur God. He's father God, but he made man to be an amateur God. Oh, we've been born to be without blame and to be holy and to be made gods on this earth. That's what we were born for. Why should I live under my privileges? Let me live with my privileges. And he says, now he exists with family. He made man to predominate over the earth. That was man's dominion. And he says, he was a God over the earth. He could speak and it would be so. So now Brother Branham goes and he goes a step further in the adoption series. And he says it this way. Now, he'll go and he'll say, inheritance by predestination. I inherited something. What is your inheritance? There had to be somebody leave me inheritance. They said, Jesus left you an inheritance. No, I beg your pardon. He says, Jesus never left me an inheritance. Wow, there should have been one amen there. Okay, let's read the rest of the quote. He only came and paid for your inheritance. He brought you to your inheritance. But your inheritance is when your name was put on the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world. That was your inheritance. It was always there. How do I know it was there? Because when the light flashed across my path, something said, Abba, Father. Listen, let's just let's look at this for a moment. This is in, in, in Galatians chapter 4. I'm skipping one there, Sister Ruth, but just Galatians chapter 4. This is so wonderful to me. Friends, this will help you. When next time you get beat down by the devil and you did something wrong and you're guilty and you feel like you're lost, that's a lie. If you're a son of God, that's not changing your position. You don't need to get rebaptized. You don't need to boohoo at the altar. You might need to get right before God. But you're not lost. Galatians chapter 4. 
Paul is speaking to them. I'll just drop them from verse 4. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. Brother Adam actually takes time. It's not like you were a poor orphan and you got adopted into a family. That's not what this is about. That's the worldly term of adoption. But adoption is the placing... It's the placing of a son or a daughter. It's when their name on the checkbook is as good as the father's. That's the adoption of sons. And and this is not the service for it, but there's different levels of adoption. There's a level for the minister. There's a level for the housewife. There's a level for the young person. But there's an adoption. Somebody can say, well, when did Brother Branham get adopted? Well, you know, he, he, you, you can say, well, he, he came and, and, and it was when he, when he became a minister. But he still had things that hadn't come to a full level yet. So it's not as simple as like, well, you know, I've passed stage one, two, three, and now I'm at four. No, that's not what it is. But it's, we're moving into it. Listen, if God redeemed me, it's not just so I can sit here and go in this cycle of up and down and up and down. No, we are moving into the manifestation of the sons and daughters of God. So he says here, and because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts crying, Abba, Father. Now, we've had this so backwards for so many years. You know, I saw I was in sin. I repented. I started fasting. I started praying. I started doing things. And finally, I had enough that I was worthy that I could be called a son. That is backwards. That's completely false. Oh, Brother Ed, that's going out on a limb. It is. The Bible says, because you are sons, he sent his spirit. His spirit caused you to repent. His spirit caused you to make things right. It wasn't you that did it. It was the Father's spirit in you. You will never work yourself up to this. It's God in you. Oh, hallelujah. Known to God are all his works before the foundation of the world. He knew you would be here, Brother Dan. He knew you would be here, Brother Simon. He knew you would be here, Brother Mark, because you were in his mind. And at the certain time, at a certain season, the word of God came to you. It might have been a pillar of fire on a horse on a ride to Damascus. It might have been in a jail cell. It might have been in a bar room. But it was because you were a son, the father was seeking his own. Oh, stick that into the devil's eye. He's a liar. Don't believe him. And don't get so self-righteous that you think you had something to do with it. The preacher that's been saved for 25 years and the woman that just came off the street is the same place with God because they're sons and daughters of God. Did you cry and boo-hoo? Absolutely. Paul said, I think it was in Colossians, he said, according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. I'll tell you what, when God came to Ananias and told him, 
and said, there's a guy named Paul. I want you to go and pray for him. No. He was known as Saul. No, we've heard about him. He pers- no, he said, he's a chosen vessel. You have no say in your choice. God chooses you. And he's chose you to come to not just a halfway level of sanctification and scrape in. No, we're living in the adoption age. Let's grow up. Let's become what we ought to become. Let's stop playing on a level that we, we're, we're to live a much higher life than we are sometimes. David, when he was anointed by Samuel, he was positionally placed as king right at that moment. But David couldn't work his way into position by sending out lobbying and tweets and get so many followers and do this and do that. That wasn't how he did it. But it was at a certain time. God allowed David to be in the fields, allowed all his brothers to be in the battlefield, and, and, and they were getting short of food. And he moved on Jesse's heart saying, I need to get some food for my sons. David, you take it. And it so happened to be that day there was a Goliath there. Now who orchestrated all of that? That was God that did that. That wasn't David moving himself into position. That was God doing it. And sometimes we look at a trial that's going on in our life when it's really just God trying to bring something out of you that was there for his glory and his honor. Oh, praise God for every trial. Praise God for everything that comes because I can never be lost. I'm always a son, but I'm just being moved into position. Oh, thank God for all his works. Joseph couldn't help being hated. He couldn't help but being sold. He couldn't help but being falsely accused. But God was writing a great story. Oh, hallelujah, my. Ephesians chapter 1. Let's have faith in God. Not in what I can do, not in what you know about yourself. Brother Ed, I just had a couple of C's and D's on my spiritual report card. Doesn't change a thing. You're still a son or daughter. God's going to make sure you get some A's. Yeah, he, he wants you to prosper. Ephesians 1 verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in Christ, in Christ. Okay. What did you and I have to do with that? Nothing. According as he hath chosen us in him. In other words, he wasn't looking at me. He wasn't looking at you. But he was looking at what Jesus was doing. 
Before the foundation of the world, he saw you and I. He saw us in him, in the Lamb's book. Not just the book of life, the record, but the Lamb's book. And Jesus came and he says, oh, I've got to die for them. And as he's there, Hebrews chapter 12, he's just coming up the cross and it was burdensome, it was grievesome. And then a vision flashed before him and he looked down through the eons of time and he saw you sitting there, Brother Bernie. He saw you sitting there, Brother Joe. And he looked down, he says, I've got to do this that I can be together with them again one day. That was the lamb paying the price for our inheritance. As his vision broke, he said, oh God, let me go through it. According as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. For what? That you might scrape by and barely make it through Laodicea. I'm sorry. But that's how we sometimes interpret it. That we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Are you going to make mistakes? Absolutely. Do I make mistakes? Absolutely. That doesn't give you a license to sin. But that says, oh God, there's another level for me to come to. I'm really having a hard time to hold back from preaching a future message here. Brother Branham would say, from a young child, he had moody spells. And in his subconscious realm, that was so bad, it caused a stomach ailment. And he sought doctors, and he went to specialists. And they said to him, type in these words in your message, church, Never get over it. They told him, you'll never get over it. Never. And all his life, he prayed for sick people. They were healed. But he's carrying this. You'll never. And the devil's beating him down. Beating him down. Beating him down. You'll never get over it. And he comes to the end of his ministry. And he tells a story in the wings of a dove of the time that he walked up to sunset up the mountain. And he says he always had that squirrel that jumped in to his stomach. And he says, but now, this time, it jumped and it missed. It missed. And he says he's walking up the trail and here's one of these cactus and he looks over on the side and there's this squirrel sprawled out on this cactus, dead and said, your enemy is dead. And he says, and I looked over, and there was a dove. I was cooing. I'm going to tell you, the enemy that is holding us back will not live to see a bride that is going to be beat down to the end of her days. But they're going to possess the land that God has given them. And I say, I'm not going to stand. I'm not going to stand by whatever I've done wrong, by whatever my past has held. But this God that gave this message, that wasn't just for Brother Branham. That was for you. That was for me. That was for every one of us. Yeah. 
that we should be holy and blame before Him in love. Having predestinated us, I'm winding my thoughts down, unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself according to the good pleasure of His will. Oh, the devil thought, I'm going to take Ed Hammermeister down. He's got a godly mother. He's got a godly... I'm going to take him into the world. He let him have his way, but at a certain time, at a certain season, God said, started putting his finger down. It's time for my son to come home. It's time for him to come back. And the devil couldn't stop it. Neither could I stop it. By whatever my mind clouded me with, but something just kept coming, coming. It's still working today. And he says, the adoption of children. So he says, to the praise and glory, we, we could go on. Listen, I'm, I'm going to stop that part right there. I need to, my, oh, my. Let's go over to Ephesians 2. We'll make this our last scripture. Verse 1. So if you read the book of Ephesians, like, it's so laid out so wonderfully to the believers in chapter 1. And then... Paul brings it down to their lives in chapter 2. And then chapter 3 goes further. And he goes right down to chapter 4, the gifts that were sent for the perfecting. Goes right up to chapter 5 and 6 and the great battle. And put on the full work, the full armor of God. I'll tell you what, it's, it's one of the most beautiful books in the Bible. Ephesians parallels Joshua. That's not today's service, but anyway. You hath he quickened who were dead in trespass and sins. Where in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also you had, we all had our conversation in times past according to the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. I think everyone else can say, I lift my hands up. That was me. Message home. Whatever home you were in, that was me. And all of that paints a grim picture till we come to verse 5. No, verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, by His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved. And He says, and He has raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places. This was not referring to the lazy boys at home. This was not referring to soft couches that were made available, but this is another level of heavenly places. And he says that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. By grace are you saved through faith. That is not of yourselves. Paul, how did you do it? Oh, I, I fought so hard. I, I went to Arabia. No, his grace in me, his working in me. I can't help but be what I am. Brother Branham, how did you do it? I don't know. I wasn't looking for him. He was looking for me. 
He saw me. I would have been a murderer. I would have been a thief. I would have killed myself. But his grace appeared to me. And his grace has appeared to you in your lives and in your homes. And you can't help it. And as the seal is being opened, John, you thought you were lost. You thought that all creation was lost. But the lamb came and opened the seal. And what did John see? He didn't see Moses in there. He didn't see Elijah in there. But he saw his name in there. He saw the name of John. And he says, oh, I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. What do the seals mean to you? I saw my name. I can't help but rejoice. As the musicians come, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, Created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. It's not good enough just to occupy a pew. We've got some good works. That we've, ordained, we've been ordained to this. I want to see Jesus. Oh, here, let me take you to the house of Brother Ray. Devil, somebody, I want to see Jesus. Here's, here's where you're going to see Jesus. I, I want to see God working in our lives. I, let me take you to Brother Jerry. That's where Jesus is on the earth today. Why? Because it's all the same God. It was God before the foundation of the world. It was God in Jesus Christ. And it's still God today. It was the God that died, was on the road to Emmaus, and revealed himself after. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Don't you love him today? Aren't you grateful? I, I'm, I, I don't know where I'd be today if it wasn't for him. You know what? I, I, I was walking the other day and I just talked to the beginning about these birds that are flying. So, oh God, you put that in them, but you put something in me too. These, these trees where their leaves are turning this glorious color. I didn't, I wasn't like Brother Kyle. I didn't see an owl. <laughs> I saw a big woodpecker. That was pretty neat. But I'm walking there and I got my phone and I started to think of a song, Oh God, how great thou art. When I walk through the woods, when I think of all you've done, and he came to me. He came to you. You're a part of him. Oh, don't you love him? Don't you want to walk with him? Let's stand together. What are you playing? That's it. Yeah. I am redeemed, bought with the price. Jesus has changed my whole life. If anybody asks you, oh, just. 
has chosen you and he's called you then you have a place because every joint supplies every part contributes and I would just say I want to give myself to that I want to allow him to perform his work in me if God determined it I'll just say it this way no devil can stop it if God determined it, it doesn't matter what anybody says about it. And I just say, let's, let's lean on Him. Let's lean on what He said, what He promised. Sometimes we fight our battles down here. I got to get through this. I got to, oh, please, Lord, please. I think we also ought to step up and say, hang on, I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. I have a right to go to the Father. I've been ordained to this. Oh yeah, I, I've been doing some things wrong and I, I'll get it for that. But I'm a son and daughter of God. I think we can, we can say that, can't we? Amen. Oh yes, oh yes, I'm a child of the King. See 